uh, coming together uh, for His name. Somebody said amen. 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 Turn in your Bibles with me this morning to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, and then flip over and put your finger in uh, John chapter 15 after you get there. But Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. We have been discussing over the last several weeks our series called Living Free. Living free. What does it mean to live free in the Christian life? We've discussed that we can live free of standards uh, and all the external religious standards. We can live free of sin, and that's possible by the Holy Spirit living within us. We've talked about what it means to have a crucified life, to truly be crucified with Christ in that. We've talked about not only living free from sin, living free from standards, but living free in the Holy Spirit. We talked about having a life with evidence that occurs when we have the Holy Spirit living within us and what it means to walk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. And today, we're going to continue that with talking about pleasing God, living free in a life that pleases God. How many people know somebody that's immature? Raise your hand. Very good. And some of us, we might want to raise both hands, right? Uh, We're going to talk today about what does it mean to be a Christian who grows up into maturity? And what does it mean to be a mature Christian? How do you know if you're pleasing God? When you are a child and you grow up and your, your, uh, your parents get to that, that place, I remember when my parents uh, you know, said they were really proud of me for the direction of my life. You know, I grew up into maturity and we began to please our parents. Uh, some of us may be still working on that. But we're talking about pleasing our Father in heaven and how can we be sure we're doing what God wants of me? How are we becoming a mature believer? Because it's one thing to live free of sin. It's another thing to live free with fruitfulness. And uh, one of the things that we struggle with in our Christian life, it's not just about being saved and it's just one thing to overcome sin and stop doing evil things, but it's quite another thing to start doing the things that God wants you to do. So it's one thing to stop doing the sinful things, but it's another thing to start doing the things that God wants you to do. And a lot of Christians like to stay there. I'm saved. I'm good. I'm not going to hell. That's great. But then the Bible is clear. Let's press on into maturity. What are the things that... I know you're not doing what you used to do anymore, but now what are you doing that is pleasing unto God? Are you with me this morning? Understand? Amen. What are the things we're supposed to be producing and what results from knowing Jesus? This is a struggle that Israel had had from the very beginning. So let's going to go back in time and set up the stage for our text this morning. Israel had had this struggle from the very beginning. How do we please God? God had delivered us. Let's pretend that we're with them. God had delivered us from Egypt. We have been set free from our bondage. But now we're traveling to the promised land. How do we please the Lord? God had told Israel, Israel, you're going to be a holy uh, royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're going to be a kingdom of priests to me. You're going to be a light to the world, a city on a hill. You're going to be the people that are going to be my, my vessel of salvation to the world. And he said, it's as if you're a vine. And I am the gardener. And through this vine, you're going to produce things that heal the whole world. People will come to you from around the world to figure out how to worship God, how to live a holy life, how to live a pleasing life, how to know true justice and true morality uh, and true sanctification. How do you live a life 
that pleases God? How do you live a life that is blessed and uh, on, uh, with favor? And, but the unfortunate thing is, if you know the story of Israel, Israel in their own self could never live up to what God's pleasing will was. With inside of them this vine that was intended to produce good grapes... Bible, the Bible says in Isaiah that God had looked at his vineyard and he says, how in the world has this produced the grapes of, 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 of sin that it has? I intended you for good things to the world, but you were incapable of obeying my law. Their sin nature overpowered their ability to follow what God required. And God said in Isaiah 5 verse 4 that they had produced worthless fruit. So the Bible would tell us that he destroyed Israel. He would send them into exile only but to be remade. We're going to talk about that remaking today. And what God has always intended from the beginning of time is what is occurring in your life today or what can occur in your life today. That God has longed for the day that his people would live a life pleasing to him, a life that is fruitful, that can be blessed. So turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. The Apostle Paul says, this is the day of fulfillment, that Jesus Christ has now come. Israel was incapable of doing what God required. Israel was incapable of doing all the things that would please God. But because Jesus Christ has come, and because the Holy Spirit has been poured out on all flesh, and that in through the blood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit can live in your hearts. You can now be the people of God that He has longed for since the beginning. You have the opportunity today to be the person, the man, woman, boy or child, uh, boy or girl that God has always longed for. Isn't that awesome to be that, that people that please our parents? It's good to feel like, yes, I'm doing a good job. That add a boy, that add a girl. They'll say, I'm doing uh, what my father requires. And he says, this day is today. How do we live a life that pleases God? Galatians 5.16. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Alright, but I say, Paul says, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these things are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. He just said this, because the Spirit is in your life, you've been free from sin and you've been free from standards. Now you can live a life that's pleasing to God. Now he says, but let me clarify. The deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, that's that divisions, separation, uh, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, and factions envying, drunkenness, caressing, that's those wild parties, and things like this, of which I forewarned you, and just as I have forewarned you, that those, practices, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus, they've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us all walk by the Spirit. What is Paul saying? He's defining today for you and I Christians who grow up. Christians who are growing up. He says to these Galatians, you know, these guys were not confident in their salvation. 
The Galatians had gone through this process where they got saved. Okay, guys, we're saved. We, we got delivered from sin. Man, this is some good news. We weren't Jews to begin with, but now, man, we're going for Jesus. And then some guys show up in their church. And they say, hey, 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 wait a minute. You're not really all the way there yet. You're not really totally into this Christianity thing. You're not really in a life that's truly pleasing to God. You really need to add these standards in your life. You really need to, um, guys, you've got to get circumcised, and we need to stop doing these festivals and start doing these festivals, and we need to start looking this way and talking this way and acting this way. And Paul says, guess, guys, if you're just listening to the Spirit that began the good work in you, God is going to produce maturity, good, pleasing things in your life. And he's saying you're no longer ruled by standards. You're no longer ruled by sin. But today you are ruled by the Holy Spirit. He's the very proof of your salvation. And the Spirit of God, it's only, only by the Spirit of God that you can please Him. So he's saying, let's be clear. What should it look like? Because if you're looking into that, you're like, man, Pastor Heath has a lot of words. I'm really confused right now. There's a lot of text in there. How do I live a life that's pleasing to God? Paul says, let me show you. There are these 15 works of the flesh here, and I'm showing you nine fruits of the Spirit. He says, if you want to be the people God always intended you to be, you should be producing some Christ-like things in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. No effort of your own can do these things I'm talking about today. Only by the Holy Spirit that came into your life at salvation. We're going to talk today about this abiding, this walking, this fruitfulness. But I was looking, thinking about this, this text, and one of the things we've addressed each week uh, before we dig into it is the falsehood that we see in the world today, specifically in America. I think When I think about Paul's text here, and he says, how do I live a life that's pleasing to God? I can't do it by sin. I can't do it by following religious standards. I've got to do it only by the Spirit of God. But I still am unsure of what that looks like. I'm really unsure how that happens. How do I actually do these things? There's a falsehood in the world today. I think it's about fake fruit, a fake Christianity, an artificial Christianity today that is calling and drawing us to try to produce a counterfeit gospel. And simply this, it tries to produce good works by the flesh's power. Now let me explain today. There's a lot of things we can do good. If I was to join the Peace Corps today, I could do a lot of good. If I were to go join the Salvation Army today, I would do a lot of good. I could go dress up like a Santa Claus at the mall and sit kids on my lap and feel like I did a lot of good, right? There's a lot of things that men and women can do. We can give money to those crying dogs that are on TV and feel good about ourselves. You know, those, uh, you know, never mind. You know, they'll have the dog commercial come on, and they'll have the orphan come on, and it's like more expensive to support the dog. Anyhow. Uh, okay, so, but it's like there's a lot of good things we can do, but this falsehood, this false fake Christianity is saying that uh, let's focus on all these external works, let's focus on all these acts, let's start measuring our success as Christians by our morality according to the world's standards. If the world says you're a good person, then you're doing pretty good in this Christian life. We can be proud of our accomplishments. We can be proud of our good ethical lifestyle. We can be proud of our good service projects. We can be proud of our record of charitable giving, all the things that we've done. Uh, So, in our mind, in the name of Jesus. But yet, on the inside, our hearts can still be focused on getting more money, enjoying more possessions in this world, living more with pleasure, more notoriety, the fame, the recognition of my life. And the message of this fake Christianity, this fake fruitfulness, 
speaks a lot of earthly love. If you listen to a lot of people online, be aware, you, you, it'll speak a lot of earthly love. It'll speak a lot of earthly peace. Uh, they'll get into, and these are not bad in themselves. We can get a social gospel message. We can get to a racial message. We can get to a prosperity message. We can get into all these things and begin to measure our success by earthly campaigns and earthly projects, and all those are great. But if that's where it remains, it's a non-spiritual Christianity. At this non-spiritual Christianity, it's nothing more than a Red Cross. Our Christianity can become nothing more than a social campaign. It can be nothing more than a political ideology, a Facebook opinion. For some, it becomes a community club or a family tradition. But what Paul is saying to us today, he says, Your life began, when the, uh, your new life with Christ began when the Spirit entered your heart. And it cannot continue unless the Spirit continues with you. You can't begin your salvation by the Spirit and then try to continue your salvation by your own efforts, by your own good works, by your own morality's definition, uh, your own definition of success. He's saying you began in the Spirit and you've got to continue by the Spirit. Somebody say amen. amen. He's, I think of it because why? Because from the very beginning, I was a wretched, undone, sinful man. I had nothing in me. And I needed His grace to save me. And His Spirit was so good. And in that moment of confession and repentance, His Spirit gets poured out of my life. And I say, God, I am so undone. And thank You for Your grace. But then you know what happens? You know what? I'm pretty good now. Got my tie on. Going to church on Sundays. Doing a pretty good job. I joined the Sunday school class. I'm on the worship team. I give regularly. I'm doing a pretty good job. I even serve some committees in our community. I give to orphans. And I am the man, right? We begin to measure ourselves by all these outward things. It's so easy to do. But Paul's saying, don't you realize you were impoverished, destitute, undone, filthy, righteous rags, and you needed the Spirit of God to pick your snot nose up off that altar and fill you with the presence of God? He says, you need that Spirit every single day. You can't ever forget that you are nothing without Jesus Christ. And it's only by the grace of God through the power of the Holy Spirit that I can live a Christian life and do anything pleasing to God. Amen? Amen. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 17, Jesus had said the same thing. He says, every good tree is going to bear good fruit, but bad trees bear bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear fruit, good fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. He's saying you're going to know the fakes... By their fruit. What is he saying? He's talking to the, uh, the religious elite. He's talking to the Pharisees. You know, these guys had an impeccable tithing record. They fasted. They prayed every day. They had the right dress code. They had the right talk. They, they did all the right things. So when he says good fruit, what's he talking about? Is he talking about us going to church every week, doing good deeds? Is he talking about our morality? Is he talking about our stance on homosexuality or gay rights or abortion? Is he talking about any of those things? No. What's fruit? If I look at, I got some oranges over here on the stage. And from this distance, perhaps, you can't tell which one is fake and which one is real. I might have to have one of you bite into one and tell us uh, what it is. Until closer examination, you may not know if I throw this orange at you across the sanctuary, if it's going to be a plastic thing or something that's squishy and I can bite into. 
And the same is true. I can look on the outside. I might go around Gina and I might say, or LaSalle Parish, Louisiana, and say, hey, who's a good Christian? And they're going to say, you know, it's this guy. Man, they're doing some awesome stuff over there at Sanctuary. They're giving a lot of things to God. And they're just changing the community because of, man, they, they talk right. They look right. They smell right. They have good teeth. Depends on what part of Louisiana we're in, right? Uh, You know, like, no. What is Jesus saying? The Pharisees had all of that. He's saying, but unless they repent and bear fruit, outwardly you can look as Christian as the best guy out there, but inwardly we can still be like ravenous wolves, he says. Many can pass off some good deeds. Many churches can have some great campaigns. But what Christ is talking about here is a new spiritual nature that is wrought by the Holy Spirit living in your life. We can accomplish nothing spiritually good on our own. And Christ is going to judge severely those who try to promote the Christian living through any way other than abiding in the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about Christ's divine first thing. Turn with me to John chapter 15, verse 1. So, Paul is agreeing with us in our status. He's saying, hey, Israel tried to do it on their own, and they were incapable of doing good. Man, yeah, they did some good things. There's some good things that Israel did, but at the end of the day, it all ended up being fake fruit. It was nothing. They could do nothing on their own. So, Jesus comes on the scene, and man, I want to live a life that's pleasing to God. And we have been trying to live a life that's pleasing to God, to bear some good fruit. But every time we try to do something good, man, I go out there and I... I give my Saturday away to serve the community, but then on the inside I go home and I'm filled with anger and I'm filled with unforgiveness. I can still be lusting and I can still be full of pride and I can still be arrogant because that had nothing to do with what's going on on the inside. It's great that I did that, but really what's on here? And Jesus says, unless you bear spiritual fruit, you won't please God. And he comes in in John 15, he says, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me, look at your neighbor and say, in Jesus, that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every bench that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it may be more fruitful. What does this mean? In order to please God, what I have to do is realize I am no longer the vine. Israel used to be thinking they were the vine. To find Jesus Christ means that I leave my root system I leave myself being the source of life, and I am not the vine that can produce good things any longer. It's not me, just the church, us, ourselves, by ourselves, that we can do anything good because we've got good ideas, we've got good initiative, we've got good uh, uh, desires to be moral and ethical, and, and we try to serve on our own nature and our own power. He says, no, when we leave our own source and we come over here and realize that Christ is the new vine. He's the true vine. Israel couldn't do it. So we had to have a Jesus come into the world and say, let me now do it, and you can do it through me. I'm the source. If you look at a grape, uh, we've got some pictures on, on the screen. If you look at a grape vine, you have the cane, this, this stalk that comes up, and that stalk would be the source. And as it would go up, it would branch out and go two different directions. And that, that would be the the vine, what Jesus is talking about, that source, that stalk that comes up, and then outwardly would be the branches. And every year those branches would be almost completely stripped back during the, uh, the off-season when, when the fruit had been gone. They would be completely stripped of anything. But all of the source, all of the supply would always come back every year because the stalk 
the cane would always produce more and more and more. And that's what Jesus was symbolically referencing. He's saying, I'm the one now. Before, religion tried to tell you, do good, do good, don't do bad, do good, do good, don't do bad. But you can't do it. You've tried, you've failed. Nobody can live a holy life. Nobody can get off of those mindsets on your own. Nobody can truly forgive on their own. Nobody can truly have peace and love and joy on their own. But if you recognize, I'm the source, I'm the supply, and Christ alone is the vine, we're just the branches. He's the source of all of our fruit, all of the nutrients, all of the sap comes out from Him, and we're just the pass-through. It's His fruit. We're just the branches. We're just the funnel that gets something from Christ out to the world. That means in me, I can, do, I can produce no love, no true Christ-like spiritual love. That means I can produce no true patience in my own self. Yeah, sure, Heath can be trying to be patient, but it's not going to be spiritual. Israel had done it by the flesh's power. You know, if I would go through a a campaign in my life to discipline my body, and I could try to get more self-discipline. I could, I could read enough books. I could gain some more knowledge. I could try to be more loving and put myself around people that really are not lovable, and I could try to figure out how I could love them. But that's me. That's my flesh. He's saying that's what Israel's been trying to do for years. It didn't work. That's why you needed Jesus. Jesus comes in. He becomes that supply of your life. And it's not something that's wrought by your own efforts. It's something new and it's something spiritual. And I hope you're hearing me this morning because look in verse 4. He says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it's abiding in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We can be a good mom or dad. We can volunteer, but it's only in Christ will we have a life that's pleasing to God. He says abide. The word abide means to remain in, to be dependent on, to be growing in. And if I was to pluck off the the branch of an orange with oranges on it, if I would take that branch off, that branch would wither and die because it would be apart from the source, the supply. And he's saying, if you go out in your Christian life and you start trying to be a good person on your own, you're going to fail. If you go out in your Christian life and, hey, sure, he's talking to believers here. You got saved and you try to be loving on your own from your own effort, your own willpower, your own mind, your own strength, you're going to fail. You try to live a patient life and an overcoming life and a, and a life that is long-suffering and temperate. You're going to fail because in Him, in Him, is the only way we produce this type of fruit. This type of fruit. One author says it this way. What is he talking about? He says, Abiding Christians are those whose life produce things through one, an intimate relationship with Christ. Number two, it's a commitment to His Word. And number three, it's from the death of self. It means that they are no longer the vine, but He is. It means that if I'm in Him, I become like Him. And I begin to move on to maturity to live like Christ. It means my character begins to form in me through the times I've been spending with the Holy Spirit. Because it's so natural for us to begin to try to do this Christian life on our own. Because they, I know the program. I grew up in church my whole life. I could fake this thing better than anybody. Let me tell you. 
I know what songs to sing. I know what prayers we can pray. I know the service times. I know the programs we can implement. I know the PowerPoints that are just really awesome. I know the best websites. I know the best speakers and the podcast. I could, I could formulate in your life the best way to be a Christian. And it would all be for nothing. Because unless it's by the Holy Spirit living in your life, you are nothing without Jesus Christ. It's only by the Spirit of God. And we can go to the best, fanciest church. We can put on the best music. And we can put on the best light show. And we can put on the best sound stuff. And we can have the best social campaigns. And we can fight racism in the streets. And we can campaign against abortion. We can give all of our money overseas. But unless we are in Christ, it's worthless. It's only by the Spirit of God. And so Paul is bridging this in Galatians chapter 5. He's saying, guys, Israel wasn't the vine, but Christ is the vine. And He told us to abide in Him. And this is not a works of you. This is not efforts or willpower or trying. This is the Spirit of God doing something in you that you are otherwise incapable of doing. Now let's look on. He says, there's basically this taste test that I'm calling you to take today. You know, in customs, if you've ever flown overseas, when you're trying to get into the country, they really don't like you to bring oranges and grapes and apples. Why? Because there's bugs and insects and disease, right? So you have to declare those things when you get into the United States specifically. You can't bring over things unless they're sealed, packaged a certain way, and have that approval of customs. I think heaven's going to be the same way. We may be saved, but the fruit that measures our pleasing to God, our, our offerings that we give to Him. The Bible says we have crowns, we're going to lay them at His feet, the things that we're going to give to Christ. Paul says that we're going to pass through the fire and only the things that are unburned are going to make it. And it's kind of the same idea. When we get up there and it's Heavenly Customs Day and we're trying to get through the Customs Department of Heaven, the only type of fruit you're going to bring in is spiritual. Amen. The only type of fruit is not going to be because you had a lot of money and you gave a lot of money. It's going to be because God's heart was in you and you gave away God's heart. Does that make sense? It's not going to be because you went to the right services and you had the right education, you had the right knowledge, and you had the right books you read, and you did the most Sunday. I mean, you could teach Sunday school for 30 years, which I wish somebody would do nowadays. Amen. That's an amen right there. Uh, But it doesn't matter if it's not coming from a nature that is wrought by the Holy Spirit, that's birthed by the Spirit. And this customs check is what we're calling us to do today. Is the fruit we're producing being produced by an abiding relationship with Christ through the Holy Spirit? A farmer's good work to produce a good crop produces good fruit. The farmer does a good job. It was a good kind of corn. The corn has good seed. It was in good soil. It produces good corn. That's the way it works. But if we look today, and we're talking about the flesh versus the spirit, he says in Galatians chapter 5, he's saying, guys, you trying to work on the flesh, so there's the farmer, me, trying to work on the crop, my flesh, produces nothing but death. It doesn't ever produce anything good. He gives us a whole list. He says, guys, this is what, this is what the flesh is, that the work that the flesh does, it's bad stuff. It's things like this, sexual immorality. Guys and ladies, that's sex outside of marriage. That's adultery. That's homosexuality. That's following to lustful passions. That's sexual immorality. It says that there's idolatry. 
Those are the things that the flesh cultivates. It's greed, it's heresy, it's witchcraft that pushes, pushes into false religions, anger. That's that strife, the disputes, divisiveness. Those are things, if those are visible in your life, then you're cultivating the flesh. And he's saying, let's be clear, God is not weak on sin. He's saying there's envy, jealousy, slander. Those things approving in your life, coming in your life are because you're cultivating flesh. He goes on, he says, addictions like drunkenness and drugs and wild parties. All of these things show up because the flesh is ruling. And so that's the works. But then he contrasts it with something. And, and I never got this until this week. He says it's the fruit that we're looking at today. Well, what's the stage here? So I've got to look, at, look just follow with me. There's a gardener. Then there's the crop. And then there's the fruit. Well, he says the crop of the flesh, the work of the flesh by you produces death. But the work of God the gardener in the crop, who's the crop? Jesus Christ produces through the branch good life, life eternal, good things, spiritual fruit. So before I the God, was trying to be God, I was trying to live a good life and trying to do it through my own efforts, through my own knowledge, through my own willpower, and all I could ever produce was death. But there was a new day in salvation history where we realize I'm not God and only God is the gardener. And there's nothing good in my flesh but the flesh of Jesus Christ. It was only in him, that sinless man that walked this earth. He's the only one that had anything good in him. And so when God sent Jesus and I now just I'm not any I'm not even a part. I'm just the pass through. I get to just step into here and be like, hallelujah. I get to be a part of this awesome flow where God through Christ, produces spiritual fruit. It has nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with me. I get no credit. I get no glory. I'm not even the one doing the work. Isn't that good news? I'm not, it's not by my efforts that I be a good Christian. It's by the simple fact that I say, God, I like what I see going on here. Let me just step up into this and be a part of this spiritual flow that begins to heal the world from God to Jesus through the Holy Spirit and just out through me. God's going to show us love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and self-control. All these things he's saying, guys, it's not about you. It's about Christ in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, what's going to come out of your life? He says, it's going to be love. Man, it's going to be divine love, not that sensual love the world has. It's going to be joy. The Bible says it's going to be a daily joy that's not affected by outward circumstances. It's going to be a peace that is set on the Holy Spirit. It passes all understanding. Out of your, out of your life is going to come patience. It's going to be an endurance that never quits. Man, that's a good one right there. Endurance that never quits. It's going to be kindness, tenderness, faithfulness. Now, God's going to be able to depend on you, whereas before you might try it on your own, God couldn't count on you for nothing. But now, when you let Christ through the Spirit do it in you, God's going to be saying, man, that's my faithful son or daughter. He's going to show up in your life as gentleness and meekness. Meekness isn't weakness. It's the power that's bridled through the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be self-control and the temperance that comes from God. And some people want to take this rules, take this fruit, and they want to measure it. They say, well, how am I loving? How am I joyful? How am I patient? Let me try to be a little bit more patient. Are you as patient as me? 
Are you as loving as me? And that starts right back into religion. Because it's only by the Holy Spirit in you that you can do anything good, pleasing to God. They're not a rule book. They're not a measure. It's about being in the vine and walking in the Spirit. You're going to gain God's motives. You gain His attitude. You gain His lifestyle. I think God, the gardener, is going to begin to search our hearts. You know, fruit comes in seasons. That's the thing about the Christian life. I don't just come in, check off the boxes, and just sit through and coast on into eternity. That fruit comes in seasons. You be fruitful, let's prune it. Be fruitful, let's prune it. Hey, we've got a better crop this year than last year. Man, keep on going. Every day, every year, every season of our life, are you in the Holy Spirit? Are you in the presence of God? These are good words. And through the Spirit, they're going to be different words. And through the flesh, they're just going to be more words. Because when we understand what abiding means, and we understand what the Spirit means, God has been challenging me in the last several weeks as we've been digging into the Spirit more and more and more to challenge myself to say, Heath, today are you in the Spirit? Are you listening to the Spirit? Are you cultivating attitudes by the Spirit? Is my mind... Paul says the mindset on the Spirit is life, but the mindset on the flesh is death. And, and if, is my mind throughout my day focused on the Spirit? Is my attitude throughout my day focused on the Spirit? Are those things occurring? Not because I know how to be a good Christian. I know what mindset to have and what mindset not to have. But sometimes I'm powerless to choose you know, the right thing. I know that I'm supposed to not give Brent the bird when he flips, you know, cuts me off in traffic. I know as a pastor in Gina, small town, Louisiana, that might be the end of my career. I know that. (laughs) Says one of my leaders, right? Okay. I know that. That's that's Heath Harris's wisdom and, and willpower and strength. But do I love him like God loves him? That's the Spirit. Do you understand today? So many Christians are living saved, but continuing their Christian walk by the flesh's power. I want to take us deeper. Can we go deeper? Say, God, I want to abide in the source that Christ is my source of love. I can't love everybody like I need to love them. Christ has got to be my source. I can't always have patience. Man, there are moments in my life where patience is running thin. And I have nothing left. And that's a good moment. Why? Because you've just been using your own source, your own vine, to try to muster up the patience to get through that work day. And there's got to be a moment coming. You say, oh, Jesus, I need to step over here into the Holy Spirit and get the patience that only comes from God. I need to come in. And there's that moment where self-control goes out the window and those thoughts are plaguing your mind and that depression comes in and those suicidal thoughts or those overwhelming feelings or that anger, that unforgiveness that comes back from way back when when someone did something to you. And in that moment, you can try to handle all that stuff by your own strength and your own power and your own knowledge and your own will and all the social gospel books you can read and all the psychological pop theory you can try to put into that thing and nothing can keep those thoughts down. And in that moment, you have to stand and say, Jesus is my source. 
Holy Spirit, come into my life right now. This is a new spiritual relationship I have. Not wrought by my own mental capacity, my own efforts, my own strength, but by the Spirit of God. We are spiritual beings, and it's about time we start acting like it. It's about time we start using what the Holy Spirit is there to give us. It is a power to grow good things in our life through Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Colossians 1.10, I close with this verse. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul combined this phrase. He said, the, in a sum, he was saying, the way Jesus said, abide in me, Paul would say it as walk in the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, abide in Christ. It's all the same idea, all the same thing, is that if you are trying to live this Christian life by your own power, you are sure to fail. But if you would come and leave your own source and leave your own supply, find Christ the vine, and learn that you have a spiritual relationship, a spiritual connection that needs to be occurring on a regular basis, And that's the only way you're going to produce fruit that's going to pass the customs check of heaven. It's going to be, is that love by your effort or was it love by the Spirit within you? We can do a lot of good things, church, but it better be by the Spirit of God. Everything we do in this church better be by the Spirit of God. If I love, let I love through Christ. If I have peace, may I have peace through Christ. Will the fruit of my life pass heaven's inspection? I want a spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything we do must be spiritual. Nothing we do can we divorce from the Holy Spirit living in us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come, every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's just begin to pray. This is a spiritual moment. Let's just begin to cry out to God.